You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast as we look back on a fantastic win for Everton at West Ham United and ahead to Wednesday's Carabao Cup tie at home to Burnley. I'm your host Paul Wheelock and I'm delighted to be joined by two of our regular panellists, Chris Beasley and Gab Buckland. Uh, Chris, let's get straight into it. You were at the London Stadium for the Echo yesterday to watch the Blues beat the Hammers 1-0 thanks to that brilliant Dominic Calvert-Lewin goal. It must have been a very enjoyable afternoon in East London. Yeah, um... I said to Sean Dyche, um, afterwards, a lot of people would be talking about the, the resolute nature of the way Everton played, and, and rightly so. But there's a lot of quality there as well at, at times, and no much so more so than the goal itself. I mean, it was a lovely move. Jared uh, Brantwaite did well to, uh, to to win possession there, and then Dominic Calvert-Lewin exchanged um, passes with Jack Harrison, and then a very assured um, finish getting between... The two centre-backs, um, yeah, I thought from the off that um, West Ham United were, were there for the taking. Um, David Moyes quite rightly says he, he likes the fact that they're in Europe again, but it does present those problems. It, it, it seems strange because you play Wednesday, Saturday, but for some reason Thursday, Sunday does seem to be um, some kind of mental block with a lot of these players. And uh, it was very flat atmosphere from the home fans, I must say, Sharp contrast to the Evertonians who were in great voice again. And they always felt that there was something there for Everton. And, you know, it proved to be the case. And which was obviously a very poignant and an, an emotional day for Everton as well. We're remembering Bill Kenwright. So, uh, yeah, hugely important uh, away victory. I mean, we spoke about the potential points deduction but before the game. And, you know, that'll run and run, I guess, either way, whatever happens with that. But yeah, it was, it was after what happened in the derby as well, and you know, important to get a response to that, and uh, they did that in the best possible way. Gav, you know, when you you put it into context of what Chris has just said there, you know, the controversy and the defeat of Liverpool with Canarsi not getting that second yellow card, the very sad passing of Bill Kenwright, and then I thought it was pretty poorly timed leak from the Premier League over a potential points deduction if the the club were to you know to be found guilty or reaching the profits and sustainability rules. Does that make that victory even more impressive yesterday? Um, surprising ever said siege mentality there, Paul. I think any, any victory streets at the moment, isn't it, really? Um, being short supply um, over the last few years. Um, so I, I think I, I, I would I would Say it's independent of all that, you know. I, I didn't. They're not establishing a link between them all. It was nice to win as well for Bill Kenwright. You know, obviously passion, and there is, you know, it was obviously tippies before the game. So yeah, um, yeah, I can always back on what Chris says. That four wins in six, yeah, six games yeah. is it? Um, we've successive away wins in London, which is not something that we happens very often. Oh, I said last night. Only see my tweet last night was. Uh, a Sunday after Sunday afternoon away game on Sky. It's the first time we won in front of a crowd for nine years. Twenty six yeah. away matches in front of a crowd on Sky of a Sunday. We've not won. Um, 
So yeah, that made it sweet, I suppose. Yeah, and I, so it was. I would say probably in a year of dice. That's the 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 performance that you would expect from a dice team. I think in terms of being compact at the back, competitive in the midfield, and not not giving much away. I felt that that was a a template of a dice performance, really, and and I also agree. We, we sort of ever didn't mute Moyes. Is you know, for league, it kills you, doesn't it? The Thursday night mm-hmm. game for some reason, and it was very flat. You seen that from West Ham yesterday, yeah. And uh, you know, Brighton struggling a little bit at the moment with it, I think. So yeah, it was um, it was it was a good win. I, I saying that though, West Ham they should be doing better, don't they? You know, they've got some good players, Pakatar, Jared Bowen. More Proust, they should be shown a lot more in terms of uh, quality of football and what, what they not done what they're doing at the moment. But but we we sort of you know we we sort of kept on top of them during the game, so it was a, it was a good win, one nil again. Quite happy with that. My style, as you say, there, Gav, got some good players, but it's probably a little reminder yesterday that Everton have, have, have got some very good players as well. And we're probably going to, I know it was a combined effort uh, from the manager throughout his team to, to get the three points. But we're just going to pick out a couple of the individuals, starting with you, Chris, and yeah. the goal scorer, Dominic Cavill. I mean, as you said, it was a, a fantastic goal, wasn't it? The way he, he, he created it, he fashioned it, and then t- and taking yeah. it. Uh, four goals in six games, I think, for, for, for DCL now. Yeah. You don't want to tempt fate and crossing my fingers, touching the, this wooden desk in front of us, but this does feel like it's Dominic Calvert living back to his best. Yeah, I think um, Sean Dyche actually referenced this, uh, I think it was in, in the in the BBC series, the, um, Everton, nothing will be the same. And he was talking about the fact last season to get so few goals from your strikers, not just Dominic Calvert-Lewin himself, who just had the two, didn't he? So he's already doubled last season's tally, but, you know, with Neil Mopay as well, was it like one in 30 or something ridiculous, whatever he had? Um, he said that was an anomaly. So the fact that um, Everton stayed up, in, in you know, despite that, despite that chronic lack of goals from, from the strikers, would hopefully bode well for, for this season. So, you know, you can get Dom fit and firing, Rich, the way he's looking now. You know, he had that facial injury at the start of the season, but I mean that that was that was cruel given that he got his body into shape and he's he's bounced back from that. Yeah, it, it should it should really be a, a much improved season in, in that respect. To me, it was interesting actually at the end that um, he, he brought Yusuf Jamiti on rather than Beto. I mean, I, I don't know what the thinking was with that one. Maybe saving Beto for Burnley. I don't know, but um, yeah, I think just having Beto in there as well, giving him that option, the fact that. You know, it's just it's not dom or bust as it were, and that you know having someone like Neil Mopay who's anything but a like for like replacement for him, and that's probably helped him as well. But yeah, to me, it's an incredible achievement. The fact that you know you think that he's only the fourth Everton player to to reach fifty Premier League goals in you know of over three decades of Premier League football now. Um, given the amount of football that he has missed, um, you know that, that, that's not to be he sniffed at, and so um, yeah, hopefully that that you know. Long may it continue. I mean, can't get too ahead of ourselves and think that, you know, he's going to like play 40 games, but, you know, should hopefully be a much improved sort of tally in the last couple of years, isn't he? Because for both of the last two seasons, he's played less than half the matches and you can't be dependent on somebody like that. So hopefully he has turned the corner in, in that respect. And it was a timely reminder, just a sort of quality that he that he can sh- show, you know, when, when, when he's put in those right positions. 
Gav, you were impressed by Dom yesterday? Um, I thought he was a bit flat in the first half. I was exchanging text messages with me cousin about his touch. Um, I think I, I think this touch in the air, this thing enough, is, is not the best. And a couple of times yesterday he let it go. Um, and I didn't think he offered a lot, to be honest with you. Um, as a lone strike, which I felt in the derby. That said, um, I thought I thought it was a great goal. Um, if, if but the criticism out of the cell in the past is he doesn't create enough of his own goals. Mm. We did yesterday. Like, if you're West Ham and that ball's played, then you're thinking it's not you can't score here. You're thinking you, you're pretty safe in it. Was it? It was a great, uh, great twist, um, and, and a great finish into the corner, and that was top quality. And also, I think they missed this, didn't they, on the on the tally the the, the header to the core as well. Um, yeah. You know, uh, that, I think the tally sort of, I think the tally got the sort of tail end of it. Um, that was a good leap, and and that, that very very nearly, you know, created the second goal. So yeah, I thought um, it, was, it was a great goal, and he totally deserves his, his, his fifty. I suppose it um, speaks volumes that we've only got four players, yeah. and we were fifty uh, goals, but and he's then West Ham and now his favourite team as well. I think he's got six six goals against them, so. Yeah, it was um, it was it was a it was a brilliant finish, and and I suppose it's not coincidence since Carver Loom come has come in, um, those six games you score goals and we've had I say four wins, so great. I mean, it, I know we'll probably talk about Brantway, but I think it's a bit of a you know this way like the the assist thing is it's a bit of a fallacy, isn't it? Really, is Harrison will get the assist? Like. <laughs> 90% of it was Brantwaite, wasn't it? You know, for that goal. But yeah, it was a yeah, great, great finish and, and, and congratulations to him. Whether it's the legendary Lionesses, grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues, Women's Football News has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss Women's Football News. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's Football is here to stay. And so are we. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. We'll stay with Gav and uh, and Bramfrey, really. So you may dis- you may disagree with Chris's eight for, for DCL in his player ratings, but there uh, was Bramfrey your man the match. Was he well worthy of an eight out of ten performance? Not just for yeah. his part. So to be fair, it was Connor yesterday doing ratings. Connor, sorry, yeah, you were on there. My fault. I must speak to Connor about uh, Patterson's five as well. I know we had the poor first half, but I thought he was worth more than the five. Yeah, um, he's the, he's the like, keeper of. Um, Chris, you're but, usually a bit kinder. <laughs> yeah. Brantwaite majestic, wasn't he? I mean he yeah. was um he's just in the you know, he was reading the game for somebody who's so young. Twenty one is um is exceptional. Thought he, he used the ball well. He nearly got himself into trouble in the first half, didn't he? I think the cross come in. And he did a dive and added, didn't he? And he missed it. And it, the ball, I think the ball went out. I think they ended up getting a call. And I was thinking, 
if it had got on the end of that, that could have got on the back of Arnett. But yeah, I thought he was exceptional. Again, he he's helped, and I think he's helping Mikalenko. There's no coincidence that his you know he looks at far more effective performer Mikalenko with plans made by him, and and I think Mikalenko's good form is also making things easier. Jared as well, but yeah, man of the match. I think, and he, I think he got it on Sky, and he was um, he, he was he was superb again yesterday, and great run of form here. And you know, it inevitably asked the question: Is how long will he be an Everton player for? Really? Yeah, Chris. He's. Uh, I think in the early performances this season, he was very promising. There's an increasing body of evidence that it looks like we've we've got a top class young centre back. On our hands now. I think it was against um, brother-in-law was round last night. Mm. The friend was round. Both Liverpool fans, and they were both raving about him. You know, for his performance in the derby, and then watching us on on, on Sky from home yesterday. Uh, yeah, we don't want to go overboard with him, but he, it feels like it, it feels like he's just a perfect fit, doesn't he? Really, you know, for such a young player, he's I think he's right-footed, but he plays on the left side. Mm. Uh, it feels like you know it's a defense that you can build around it for years to come. But as Gav says there, the bigger the profile he gets, the more media attention he gets, winning man the match on Sky in live televised games, he's going to get a lot of attention, maybe unwanted attention from as far as Everton are concerned. Yeah, um, yeah I it was a bit naughty actually. We had John Aldridge after the derby um, singing his praises saying, oh, he, he, he says, I don't want to upset Evertonians. Might be great playing for Liverpool. He's like, well, okay. Um, yeah, I think, well, the thing is, He's come back from that loan spell, hasn't he, at PSV? He's like a totally different player. You could see, you know, he's always been, you know, he's such a big lad. He's probably about, I don't know, he's probably about as big as an outfield player ever, they've ever had. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, I mean, well, but, uh, other than that, Lucina Triori, of course. Um, um, but, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, just, you know, he was still raw, wasn't he, before that long spell? I know he'd obviously had the spell at Blackburn as well, but you could see, I think, one of his last acts, wasn't it, before then, was to get sent off um, against Brentford. And he's just a completely different player now in that he's so much more assured. And, you know, it's been, you talk about loans and pathways and stuff like that. And it, it, it that, that spell at PSV has really sort of made him. And to be fair, you know, Marcel Brands, you know, gets a. Uh, a lot of stick. I mean, he was the one who originally brought him from Carlisle United in the first place, and then took him to PSV on on loan last year. So, you know, give you know Marcel a big tick for that. And you know what the the player has now returned, Jared Bramthwaite. You know, the, the man, as it were, after Bramthwaite, the the boy before. But one particular instance I remember from quite early on yesterday. Um, you know, Michel Antonio. You know, proper. Clever old pro at this level, isn't he? Experienced striker. It's down the channels, you know. He knows how to play the game. And there was one there. It was down there. He was going down the, the West Ham's right and down Everton's left. And Bramfway just ate him up. He devoured him. He just, uh, he didn't know, the, the, the power and the poise from him. He, 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 he I don't know, um, just had him for breakfast. Um, and, and, you know, to do that to, you know, a player as wily, as experienced as, as Antonio, I think Moyes ended up taking him off, didn't he, in the second half? And uh, yeah, that I mean, it was it was stuff like that, and you're just like, wow, yeah, you know, he, he's he's doing the business now, Bramway. And then I think rightly so, he had to wait for his chance at the very start of the season. I think Deitch might have um, fancied um, Tarkovsky and Keane as um, being the uh, the partnership for this year, certainly to start that way, given that the experience they had. 
But, you know, after Keane had that um, poor showing at Villa and Bromfweight had his chance and, you know, he's taken it with both hands and he's just, just gone from strength to strength. You know, we can't get too carried away. He's, I mean, Dyke said about how they're not overcoaching him again and uh, in terms of his his development. But I think the, uh, one of the big um, plus points has to be that they've also tied him down to that new um, long-term contract as well. I mean, they didn't have to do that. That's good on a couple of reasons. I mean, it shows that, you know, Everton's financial situation isn't perhaps the dire straits that some are painting it at. The fact that they've been able to tie him down to that new deal when they didn't have to, again, just protects the asset and, uh, you know, he gets rewarded with um, increased um, pay for, you know, his tangible development that we've all seen. And then um, it also protects his, his transfer fee when I suppose there's that inevitability that, you know, um, teams are looking at him. Gav, yeah. uh, you, you're seeing the gossip columns, don't you? And I know it, it, it kind of reared its head again after Tonali got its 10-month ban uh, from the Italian football Feder- uh, authorities. And Newcastle were linked with Amadou and Arna again. And I think we've we've had that, haven't we, more or less since the day he signed for the club, you know, even in the, the first transfer windows were rumours of Arsenal. Uh, I don't know what you guys thought, and I'll stop you, Gav. Uh, I was impressed by Arna yesterday, and I think, the, I think there are signs that we're beginning to see that we can be you know, the top top midfielder that a lot of people hope him to be. Yeah, I, I call him to Wiki. Brantley's is six foot five. Yeah. Um, he do, to be fair, he doesn't look, I mean, it's a testament to his ability. He doesn't look six foot five, does he? Really, the way he really, He's not ungainly, he's, he's in yeah, proportion. And also his, his pace, is, you know, he's got a lot of pace, hasn't he? Which is sometimes you don't not normally get with, with players of that bad, bad ill. But yeah, he would, um, and Arnie, yeah. I think he looks far better with Garner playing next to him. And I thought Garner was a little bit off the pace again yesterday. Uh, Amadou, yeah, he was a bit like Brantway. He carried on his good form from the derby, didn't he, really? And and I thought he was a, he was good at stopping West Ham playing. And um, the one thing I'd like him to see him a bit more is a bit more progressing in his passing. There's a couple of times yesterday he broke forwards and there was a forward pass on and he sort of hit it wide or... You know, to you know, or to turn back on himself. I, I'd like to see a little bit more progression, but he, he, he's somebody who has improved, like Brantway's, and and also as well, he just looks so he's beefed up a little bit. And Arna, I, I noticed yesterday, and that that's it. It's something he needs to do. But yeah, he was he was good. I think, um, you know, he was no, you know, after Brantway's, he was probably our best player there or thereabouts. I think. Chris, I think you're a bit you're a bit like myself, really, with Anana, haven't you? I know you're impressed by him, and I know you you rate him, but you, I've read enough of your work over you know the past yeah. eighteen months. You you've asked, you just want to see that a little bit more. What are we seeing it now? Yeah, what I what I liked about him, I know exactly what you mean in there. That you think he can just get a game by the scruff of the neck, and he's you know he's he, he's such a specimen, but, but combined with you know the intelligence he has and that poise, you think you know he could be really running games, and you know he's still in the young, but you know that potential to be like a, a Patrick Vieira almost. I mean, I mean, that's that's obviously a high bar for anyone. Um, but yeah, what impressed me yesterday. Was in was was I thought it was very mature performance in many ways, and he very assured. Um, there was a there was a situation towards the end when West Ham started knocking on the door a bit. It was, just, it was almost like um, West Ham United's players were a bit solar powered yesterday. It was it was grey for most of the game, and then but a bit of sunshine started peeking through. They just they sort of perked up towards the end. They're like the batteries have <laughs> warmed up a bit, and as they were sort of knocking on the door, 
and they would get the ball into the box and stuff like that. So it was like loose ball fell to Anana, and I mean a lot of players might have just tried and hacked it clear first time, but no, he took a second and he came out with it, you know, um, on the ball, just sort of not walked out of defence, but you know, looked around him and sort of drove forward, and he ended up um, winning a free kick, and I think the player brought him down, got booked. Uh, I'm not sure if it was. Uh, Benrahma, the substitute. Yeah, um, yeah, so I mean that was just a cool head in in those moments, and um, yeah, I, 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 there was a, there were a few thing times like that where he, he's very measured on the ball and uh, was able to just take a second and uh, just play the right pass or do the right thing. And yeah, um, I know he's hugely highly rated. I mean, a lot of things like we just said, his potential with an honor. He's not. He's anything. But the finished product, and he certainly needs to improve. As guessing the final third, his output there, you know, given the size of him again, like Bramthwaite, should be made for an aerial presence in the opposition box and scoring more goals there. But I know um, at Everton that they think um, he's got huge potential, and and you know the fact that Casado went to um, to Chelsea for was it a British record fee, one hundred and ten million. They genuinely believe at Everton. He can be just as good as Casado in time, or if not even better. So it was going to take, you know, a, a huge fee to get him out of Goodison Park. Um, uh, you know, again, like saying, encouraging with the club's finances. It's not like they're in a position where they have to have a fire sale or anything like that. You know, they, they think, you know, it's going to take, you know, they, given, they paid over 33 million for him, albeit in instalments. So, Again, he's on a long-term contract, and uh, you know, if anyone wants to to prize him away from Goodison, they're going to have to pay top dollar. So, yeah, is it um, a very in- encouraging performance, and things seem to be going in the right direction with him, which it, which is promising. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gav, you know, we've probably seen it in the last week. It's it's, it's not, unless it's locally based like ourselves, you know, not many few people are shouts up about Everton. And I think, I think it's fair to say sometimes people are quite quick to put the boots in. But I was I was struck by watching it yesterday when you see Bramthwaite, you see Anana, you see Garner, although, as you rightly said, he didn't have his best game yesterday. A, a fully, fully fit DCL, obviously, one of the best goalkeepers around in, in Jordan Pickford. And I know Joe Thomas a while ago wrote, I think, in one of his Royal Blue columns saying that next year a lot of the players who are on are coming to an end of the contract with people like Gomez, you probably want to want to move yeah. on, obviously help the financial situation. And I suppose a lot of this could be taken out of like our hands as supporters. You know, if a big bid comes in for Bramfrey or Anana, it may well be something the club has to consider given given what's going on off the field at the moment. But there are reasons to be positive, aren't there? I know we did like a national media roundup earlier today and I think someone from the Times was writing that there are there are like green shoots of revival here, aren't there? There are things to look at and think, you know, they've got a base of an, a pretty decent side if, if, if it can be built around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and the players you're talking about, that's the spine of the team, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, it's like the classic team building, isn't it? It's the get your spine right and then take it from there and that's what we're doing at the moment maybe more by accident than design but we, we've certainly got a lot of youth and potential 
and quality down down the uh, down that spine of the team, and we can if we can have players out wide, full backs and 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 wingmen, we we will be in a reasonably good good space. The the caveat you put in there is we had our best team out yesterday. I think that's pretty much what the universal view is. The caveat to that is the depth of the squad, isn't it? And, and some of that is down to the financial issues, isn't it? And when we get to December, we've got a lot of games to play in Christmas. You know, that's when we'll be tested. And that 11, if that could play every game, mm. between now and the end of the season, we would be easily be fine, wouldn't we? The, the concern I've got is if, if we get a couple of injuries and suspensions and, you know, we've got the AFCON, haven't we, in, in the new year, that's when I think it'll be a slightly different, different focus. But, yeah... That, that 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 first eleven is not a relegation eleven by any stretch of the imagination, is it? Really, it's it. It looks to me, and what you've seen over the last few weeks, lower mid table, mid table, tenth, eleventh. I think that was probably, I think that decent, um, decent estimate where we are. But it's 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 how well we can keep those players fit and keep keep them in the team between now and the end end of the season is is key for me. Chris, since we've 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 done the last podcast, obviously the, it feels like the commission's ended there in hearing order, and now it's just a bit of a waiting game. Uh, and I know you were quite annoyed, like a lot of Evertonians were annoyed by those reports that the Premier League are looking to show the teeth finally, or you know, make maybe have a bit of a sacrificial lamb, uh, particularly given you know it comes amidst the climate of maybe needing a regulator in the game for there. Without going off to come off my soapbox for a moment, there, Sean Dyche was quizzed on this last week, wasn't he? Yeah. Said just about siege mentality, and he kind of played it down, which we could expect from from someone like Sean. He, he doesn't really buy into that kind of stuff, certainly publicly. But it, but could it be working? Could could they do this internally? You know, obviously the the terrible news last week of Bill Kenwright's passing just feels like everything that could go against Everton yeah. at the moment is going against them off the field. You know. Do you think maybe the players are using it a bit like that? Yeah, interesting, because uh, Connor spoke to Dominic Carvert-Lewin after the game, and again, he's, what you say publicly might not be the same as what actually goes on. And he sort of um, gave the, the, the mantra that uh, it wasn't even on, 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 their, on their lips, but even if they're not actually going out and saying, hey, what do you think of this 12 points or, or whatever, as quite as, as as forward as that, it's got to it's gotta be playing the part. Um they, they, you know, they, they're only human. The same as the rest of us are going to read these articles. They, they're going to hear, you know, stuff on the grapevine. That's part of the problem, isn't it? There's, there's no, there's so little hard evidence. It's all what's being briefed and what's coming out from various bit, bits and pieces. Um, yeah, it could do. I mean, like, we, we don't even know. Could be so many sort of ifs, buts, and maybes here. I mean, Everton have to be found guilty. If they do, it can run and run anyway because there's an appeals process. Don't even know when it's going to be uh, applicable to. Would it be the current season? Would it even be a, a future season? Because some people have said that, given the nature of the Premier League this season, you know, if you are going to get points deducted, and it might end up being nowhere near that twelve, which would be obviously would be a record amount. Would you know, would they still be able to keep their heads above water, given that there's, that there's a school of thought that it not, maybe not as a stronger division as it was last season and possibly again next season. So, yeah, and, um, maybe it will, maybe it will be that uh, you know, buzz against the world sort of mentality that sort of 
Jordan Pickford seems to have as an, an individual uh, in, when it comes to um, opposition fan bases. Maybe you like that for the, the whole team. Um, yeah, yeah you, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Because you'd, you'd feel slighted, wouldn't you, as a player that something that's nothing to do with you and is out of your control, if, if the club were to be punished like that, you, you might think, well, yeah, let's go show him. How do you feel about it all? You know, it, 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 because it does feel, as Chris said, completely beyond our control as as, play, as supporters and players. But it's just there in the background, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know how much it affects players. To be honest with you, um, I think it'll affect, I think they'll feel wrong wrongly done by if we get a twelve point deduction. Yeah. I think that's when you see things, see his mentality and all this. So I think that'll happen then. But in terms of you know, the noise that way that is used all the time. I'm not sure whether that affects players really. Um, in, in the moments, for me personally, I've <laughs> I've not got a problem with the, with the commission. To be honest with you, I think we quite clearly, for several years, been way over the 105 million limit, and it's quite you know, it's it's not unexpected that we'd have to explain ourselves in front of somebody independent. How independent they are, of course, is a moot point. So I've not got a problem with that. Um, and and I think the, the, the thing as well, which probably didn't help us within that, is the people involved there at the time have left since left the club, and I don't think that has helped us. To be honest with you, you know, Grant Ingalls, Denise, um, obviously Bill, um, are not available or I've I've left the club, so I think that that hasn't helped us. Where I've got a big issue is is the fact that. There are other if you if you if you scout round the, the company's house and look at the accounts of other other Premier League clubs, see United last week have got me down. I think um, United have I think are if you count out the average of those two the two COVID seasons what they're doing aren't they? Think our losses before any COVID or deductions or anything like that is about two hundred and sixty million quid. Um, Chelsea's is two hundred and fifty million quid. And United's is 250 million quid. Now, I've not heard Chelsea or Man United mentioned in dispatches with the Premier League. Indeed, Chelsea's last annual report doesn't mention COVID at all, even though they've got 115 million quid. Now, I I, I think that's unfair. That that whatever system it is is not working properly, isn't it? They should they 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 should be subject to the same rules as Everton and have to go through the same process. Is Evan now? If if the Premier League have spoken to Chelsea, and Man United, and like Man United, he lost loads of money, but they lost hundreds of million quid just by Old Trafford being shut for the season, so yeah. they can easily explain their big losses and Chelsea to a degree. But that's not the point. It should it, that should be done, and it should the secrecy around this is, is wrong. It should be made public so everybody can be assured that they're all being all clubs are being treated equally, and on face value at the moment they're not. We appear to be treated differently to what other other clubs are who've made not as much many losses, but certainly significant. Where there should be questions asked about them, but we're the only ones that are being uh, in, put in front of the beak. <laughs> and that's what I've got a problem with. I've not got a problem with being in front of a commission. I've got a problem that other clubs appear to have had, either haven't, or if there's been conversations to say why they don't need to go in front of the commission. Those have not been made public to assure everybody that the, the system is working, and that's the um, that's the main issue I've got with it. Really, 
And um, you can see what I think Martin Sanger did the piece in the Times, didn't he? Saying that Everton appeared to be a little bit of a, a scapegoat when we all know the, the misdemeanours of the big six a couple of years ago. And, 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 and I get that. I get that completely. And we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, I think that's that's where I'm at with, with it, really. It just feels like, why are they showing the teeth now at, at Everton? As you say, Gav, you know, if, if given the amount of losses we've made, it's not a surprise that we find ourselves in this position. And if we have breached rules, we, we have to accept whatever punishment. So we accept that a punishment will be coming our way. But, but Chris, it, it's just hard to, me personally, it's hard to get out of my mind that, you know, not too long ago, the six biggest clubs or, you know, the supposedly six biggest clubs mm. in this country... We're well, we going to rip apart the Premier League and all the riches that it brings, you know, to to the league itself and to the, to the member clubs. You know, it, maybe maybe it is a bit what about me? Maybe it is a bit just feeling a bit too sensitive. But you know, it does feel like Gab says there, like we a bit in a scapegoat at that moment. Yeah, I mean, the Everton scene has been an easy target because it is the only. It's only one. Um... Breach they've been accused of uh, of making because like Manchester City's such a mess with what how many is it is hundred and fifteen or something like that I mean you just can't get to the bottom of it um yeah like you said I mean I've been a very vocal um sort of voice against um, all that nonsense with the breakaway European Super League and for all that um the subsequent stick that she got the Nice Barrett Baxendale was actually one of the uh sort of really um didn't just um, stand up for Everton, but for the whole rest of football, because let's let's have it right. They they were ready. I mean, they said they were going to still committed to the Premier League, but they were ready to sail off into the distance into their own private members' club that sort of went against everything that over a century of you know the organic system of the pyramid that has, has created in in football and you know this synthetic environment where they were ready to declare themselves you know that the game's giants in perpetuity. Um, yeah, and so all that was also, also sorry, but you know, um, we won't, do, you know, we won't do it again, honest, and uh, move on from that. Whereas, yeah, like safe Everton, and as Gab says, like Chelsea and Manchester United with their finances. I mean, there doesn't seem to be any sort of time scale or with Manchester City. What's going on um, with anyone else? So it is almost like with a lot of things with Everton at the moment, all these sort of nonsense stories that you get about with the stadium or oh, this could happen, what that could happen and then going back to this case was it Leeds, Burnley et al on you know, supposed threatening legal action and all kinds of different things it almost seems to be in certain sections of the, the media obviously not ourselves who, you know, you know, not sycophants to the club but you know, are the staunchest supporters that you know, kick Everton while they're down sort of mentality um, an easy target and you know, we should we should stand up for that because you know nobody else is going to do it. Just say I I I, I actually I just reaffirm I've actually got not a problem the way Evan have been treated because we've obviously you've actually our loss has been you know four years forty four million one hundred twenty one million one hundred thirty nine million one hundred seven million before that's before any deduction so I've not got a problem with Evan being in front of the commission. You know, you can't you can't argue against that. But what I can argue against is we do, you know, other clubs appear to be being treated more leniently, or I've not maybe I've not had the same conversations that the Premier League have had with with Everton, and that that's my issue. And as I say, 
within that is if they have had conversations, then they should be made public. Yeah, and and the other thing as well is it's it's the time scale because if you think about it, what happens if we make a loss this year? You know, in the, I mean, the, the next report, I think they've got to be out by December, and we're still over the hundred and five million quid. What happens then? Do we get punished again? Yeah, it just keep keeps on coming. Yeah, do, 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 you know, do we get you know do we get punished again, or we could turn out quite rightly and say, well, they can't punish punish us twice for the same same offence because it's a rolling three years. The COVID thing is still there. And you might say, well, if we knew we were going to get punished, we wouldn't have spent as much last year. You know, yeah. so you've taken so long to to bring to the side. But, you know, so it, even if whatever happens in the next whatever couple of weeks, any judgment, there's still going to have to be another judgment, isn't there? And also as well, what they're going to have to do for, for the COVID thing, they're going to have to agree a what they think the COVID losses are as a tribunal. To use in the next set of calculations yeah. when the next accounts come out, so it's 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 it it, it shows you like the, the whole process is wrong and it reminds I, I always quote this that um, Mark Martin Yall said when he was manager of Fulham I think that what once you sit once you take away the glamour and the wealth and the you know the huge popularity of the Premier League the way it likes to you know to to, to show itself to, to promote itself is it's run in a pretty amateurish fashion. And and you can see that here in abundance, can't you? Really, it's just amateurish. Yeah. Um. You know the way the way the system works, the way it's applied, and the, the governance of it. And you know that, that I think we are unwittingly caught in the eye of that storm, aren't we? Really, at the moment. Yeah. But in some respects, that that's only right because yeah. of our overspending, and it'll just it'll just be interesting to see what comes out of it, really. Yeah. Because it's 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 not the, the secrecy around it's not good either. I think that's the other point of raise. Yeah, there's no transparency, is there? Gavin? No, 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 absolutely, Chris. You know yeah. what I would say I, is that somebody for a long time we were we were being told um, the the Premier League were actually liaising with Everton on basically all the transfers and a lot of the things they were doing. So somebody somebody is giving the misinformation there. If, if we're being told, you know, for a long time, you know, ever basically the Premier League going through everything with a fine-tooth comb with Everton, and then it leads to this. I don't, I don't know how that happens either. Yeah, yeah. so there's, there's lots of unanswered questions here, and I think what will come out of this, one of the things that will come out of it, whatever judgments has passed at Everton, uh, the other thing that will come out of it is how the whole protest is totally flawed. And um, that that is the concern as well, isn't it? Um, considering like this ongoing thing with City as well, because City be all that's the other thing, isn't it? And I always say this: the time and the, the time, and because of the 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 regulator, the time and the City thing isn't great either. Because City's lawyers, and even know as we know, they've employed you know they like to employ the fifty best lawyers in the world. That was their threat, wasn't it, on this type of stuff? <laughs> is they'll be all over the way. The Premier League is, is treating Everton because if the Premier League don't do it properly. Then they'll they'll say that 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 will undermine their arguments against City, and I think that's not helping us either. And that's why probably the Premier League is up, you know, these leaks about making the worst, giving them the worst, Everton the worst punishment. Because I think the Premier League have also got one eye on their dealings with City. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, we'll move on to the final part of the uh, today's podcast. Uh, big game on Wednesday, uh, Burnley. Carabao Cup last 16, that right, isn't it? Yeah. When it's going to the quarterfinals. Uh, I think I remember being on podcast uh, 
few weeks with both of you, both of you, you know, it was Joe and you, Gavin, Beth, we were on and we were talking about how the Carabao Cup is, we've always said it is a bit of an opportunity, but it really is this season. I think tomorrow night there's two ties taking place. I've gone written down here, Exeter versus Middlesbrough and Mansfield versus Port Vale. And with the greatest respect to all of those four clubs, if you if you were to get through and to face one of either of those or one of two of the four, sorry, in the, in the quarterfinals, you'd be pretty confident going to the, the semifinals and then who knows after this, uh, Start with you, start with you, Gav. Uh, how would you play this with Sean Dykes? Obviously, you could tell by the end of yesterday's game that the players retiring. I know a lot of people online would say, "Why haven't we made more subs?" Uh, and as you rightly said earlier, we, we've got a strong eleven, but maybe I mean yeah. we've got a strong 13, 14, 15. But beyond that, it's you know there, there are gaps. And then we've got a game again against Brighton on on Saturday. Who will have had a, a three week having been knocked out of the Carabao Cup? How, how would you approach this one on, on Wednesday in seventeen? It'd be so interesting that. to see our lineup, won't it? Be interesting to see what Bernie's lineup as well. Uh, by the way, I, I I think he'll bring. I'm just wondering whether Beto will play on Wednesday. I think that maybe that's why Simiti came on yesterday, possibly because he's saving Beto for for Wednesday. I think Cav Lewin. Would you want to risk him? Possibly now, Garner Gay to come in so it's all about the lineup for me but I think even if we make five or six changes I know I'm going on about the, the, the weakness of the squad and I'm, I'm probably arguing against myself here I still think that might be enough because I think Bernie will make a load of changes as well and um, I think you know we, we still should have enough in the tank especially with home advantage to, to progress and I, as you say there's a couple of quarter-final ties there, which you don't wouldn't necessarily expect to see, you know, possible quarter-final ties you wouldn't ex- possibly expect to see in terms of opponents. So, um, yeah, I mean, could there is not an opportunity here if, if if it falls right for us to get in the semi-finals, dare I say. So, as we said the other week, we were sort of saying about Paul Vail there, but the, the last time we played them... <laughs> Ian Bogey. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Cup. So, we have to be very careful what we what we say here, so... Yeah, I think I think even if we make a few changes, we we should have enough in the in in the tank, and we have got a bit of confidence. And um, I think Bernie will have a week and team out. I think we we still got enough to to win on uh, on Wednesday. You agree, Chris? Make a few changes, still enough to, to get through. Maybe not five or six. I'd maybe be looking three or four, something like that. I think, I think like Gav said, uh, although it's interesting, I think we've got a um, a piece coming up. Um, Another one from Connor when he spoke to Dominic Calvert-Lewin and uh, without giving too much away, uh, he says he's a big fan of the Carabao Cup, loves playing in it, so uh, it'll be an interesting one. It's not his decision, is it? But um, yeah, I, you you would see maybe Beto for Calvert-Lewin as perhaps an obvious one, somebody like Ar- Arnott Dan Juma possibly to come in. Um be too many um, changes other than that. But yeah, like we say, it's a fantastic opportunity, you know, over 28 years without a trophy now. Everton, uh, they're not demanding that they, they lift silverware this season, but just have a cup run. Just, you know, get a, a, a bit of a run there. And as you say, guarantee that two of those, if you do get through, um, two of those seven potential opponents are going to be lower division sides. So, you know, probably get the toughest team in there away or something like that. But, you know, yeah, this is a big opportunity there. And, you know, it's much more important than this, but just Deitch's own personal pride. You know, nine and a half years at Burnley, a bit of an acrimonious exit on, on Good Friday. He's, he, you know, I don't know how much his tongue was in cheek when he was saying this, but 
he has gone on record as saying oh, that it has stayed up if he just, uh, remained in charge. So, and I mean, there's a lot of actually disrespectful things been said about Sean Dyche as well, not not directly about him, but the, the way Burnley were playing last season under um, Vincent Company, romping to the, the championship there and just the, the manner in which they were playing. It was almost like, oh, he's revolutionising. They're playing proper football now, not like that archaic style under Deitch. It's sort of undermining Deitch's methods to a to a certain degree. And we've seen that, you know, it's a massive gulf there from the championship. And yeah, so for me, regardless of um, what what team he puts out, I wouldn't make too many changes. I, I think that you know this is a big opportunity for Everton, and I'd like to think that they, you know, they they, they take it with both hands, give it their their best shot, and what will be an emotional night at Goodison, paying the respects to to Bill Kenwright and uh, get the right result and get yourselves in the hat for that last eight. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll finish off uh, with our predictions. Uh, I kind of know that. I think you suspect the Blues win, but both of you, what, what, what do you think scoreline-wise? For me, am I going first? One. All right, then. I'll, I'll, I'll be positive and I'll, I'll say 2 nil Everton. Yeah, yeah, I was. I'm going to say exactly the same. You should have a piece of paper if you go second. <laughs> show, show it to the camera. Yeah, two 0 for Everton seems a natural, natural scoreline for me, and that'll take us nicely. If we do win, that'll take us nicely into the uh, the Brighton game. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll make it a full house and also go two 0 That was the score in my uh, in my mind. So yeah, uh, if we're all right with geniuses, if we're wrong, we're we're <laughs> predictors. Uh, Gav, Chris, thanks very much for for joining us and for everyone listening. That's all for the latest Royal Blue podcast. We'll be back at the end of the week, looking ahead to that game against Brighton that Gav just mentioned there, and hopefully looking back on a win over Burnley and a favourable draw in the Carabao Cup quarterfinals. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 